Hi everyone, this is Carmen. I'm Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And what is it about today, Carmen? Well, Christina, last episode, we talked about Allende, what Chile was like when he was growing up, how that influences politics, his rise in government, his presidency, mm-hmm. and how the United States really meddled during all of that time before and uh, during his presidency, right? Right, right. We talked about the deliberate destabilization caused by the United States and the unrest that it caused. How even before he became president, when he and others formed the Popular Unity, which united a lot of the leftist organizations, the CIA began uh, contacting military officers, most of whom were right wing and convince them, but really they didn't need that much convincing to turn against Allende and the popular unity to provoke them into staging a coup. So that's what we talked about. And we're going to keep talking about that today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because this is part two of our many part series on Chile, Salvador Allende, Pinochet. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about the coup because that's where we were heading last episode, unfortunately. Ah, yes. So the other 9-11. Yeah, as it's known, because it was 9-11-1973 when this happened. But before I get there, um, also, I guess before I start, we should throw out some content warnings. Violent suicide. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. So, yeah, I was just talking about the military officers who were ready to turn against Allende and the government. And so many of these officers were part of social groups like selling clubs. Selling clubs? Yeah, just an example of the social groups that they were parts of. What are selling clubs? Selling, like sa- boats. Oh, sailing. Sorry, yes, sailing. <laughs> I thought it was a club to sell things. No, like like they're selling their boats. They're sailing their boats. Anyway, a sailing club. Sorry, every time I say it, it sounds like saline, like saline solution. But, you know, now that I say that no. out loud, it sounds different. So never mind. Yeah. So in these social clubs, these officers socialized with civilians of the same, you know, social class as them, the elite. And here they influenced said civilians with their views and their plots, you know, their plot to oust Allende. And so the movement, the group that was orchestrating this coup just, you know, grew larger and larger. And at this point, Pinochet was not even part of the planning. Oh. I think last episode I talked about um, General Schneider, who had been killed by the people that were organizing the coup. And so after his murder, the plotters had to chill out a bit. They had to take a chill pill, right, in order to not be caught. Lay low. Yeah. And... So the opposition, you know, they're playing the long haul game after this. And I didn't see how long it actually was. But it wasn't that long because, again, <laughs> again, there was only president for like three years. So, yeah, it wasn't that long. But part of their, you know, long haul plan was to. And this was part of the reason that General Schneider was killed. Right. Because their plan was to get rid of the military leaders and officers who identified as constitutionalists, you know, who would remain loyal to the constitution no matter who was in power, who would never turn against the government, who would actually respect it. Yeah. 
they wanted to force them out of their positions and replace them with officers who were pro-coup. The way they decided to force them out was by threatening them, attacking them until they resigned, or even killing them when they refused to resign. Wow. Yeah. So one of the military leaders who was killed was uh, Commander Arturo Araya, who was a close friend of Allende's. And when he died, Allende exclaimed that this is fascism, you know, which, yeah, he was right. And when Allende called for investigations on the murders, you know, of not only Arturo Araya, but the, the other military leaders who had been killed or who were being killed, when he called for investigations for that, the Carabineros, in response, conducted crooked investigations, blamed leftists, and forced, violently forced confessions out of them. So this just, you know, led to more mistrust, more unrest. And not all of the military or the Carabineros were like pro-coup, but most of them were. Oh, okay. So then in August, and we're talking 1973 already. Okay. I think. Oh. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't write down a damn year. Probably. No. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, because this was close to the coup already. So we talked about last episode how the CIA was funding like opposition to Allende, not only in the military, but like in the civilian population. And often this led to like protests outside of like military leaders' homes and stuff like that. Even like there was like worker strikes against Allende at times because they were CAA and the right wing were funding um, different unions. Oh, workers, wow. Like blaming, okay. you know, the inflation and the economic situation all yeah. on Allende when it was... There, there was fault. other reasons also the blockade, right? Yeah. Then in August, during one of these protests, a thousand women protested outside of, um, and I didn't, I don't know if it was a general or commander, I don't know his position or his title in the military, but either general or commander Pratt's. Uh, a thousand women protested outside of his general commander Pratt's house, screaming and throwing rocks at his house. And again, this was outrage being fueled by the opposition, which again was being funded by the CIA. So after months of relentless targeting, he resigned. And unfortunately, he was just about the last constitutionalist in military leadership at that point. Wow. So, you know, the coup was going as planned, right? This was the last position that they needed. Yes. So Pratt was replaced by his second in command, who he trusted at that point because he had no reason to distrust right. him at that point. Not even coup plotters were aware of, of his position at this point. And we're talking about Augusto Pinochet. <laughs> yes, I have read that he kept his hatred, hatred of his hatred of Marxism like under wraps. Low key. He, yeah. he kept it low key. In fact, his position was not known until the day before the coup on 910. Wow. Uh, that's when he joined the coup. And the CIA actually had its eyes on Pinochet as early as August 1971, when sources reported that Pinochet's wife and his son were turning against Allende and his government, and they were hoping to influence Pinochet. Wow, I did not know that. So he was brought again to the CIA's attention in March 1972 when another source reported that Pinochet was involved with some coup plotters. Then again in September of that same year when sources reported that Pinochet was having second thoughts on Allende. But other than that, there's no evidence of Pinochet coordinating with other right-wing officers. 
Okay, nothing firm. Yeah, and that's how Loki, he kept his opinions, right? Um, he was playing both sides. I also, um, and I think, sorry, and I'll go into it more when we if we cover him specifically, but I also read that he wasn't even like someone anyone thought wanted power. Like he was just there. He was not anything impressive. Yeah. Yeah, so that the, the, the strongest thing that people knew or could say about Pinochet's opinion on Allende, unlike the other coup plotters, was that he was having second thoughts <laughs> on Allende. So that's like, that's how low-key he kept it. So the coup plotters set a date, and on 9-11-1973, at 6 a.m., the Navy besieged Valparaíso, then at 8 a.m., took over Santiago. In Santiago, the military overthrew the government and then took over the energy, water, and telecommunications buildings to prevent workers from disabling them. And then more troops were ready to eliminate any resistance. And the Air Force was also ready to destroy any government radio stations. And in the Ministry of Defense, three of the floors were being dominated by the U.S. military advisory group. Soon the United... Damn, what were they called? United Party? I just wrote UP. The Popular Union? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's because they usually... I saw it abbreviated as UP, but it was, yeah, the Popular Unity. Oh, and then in Spanish, it would have been Unión Popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it says the UP. So yeah, so soon the uh, Popular Unity leadership started hearing about strange movement um, of the military in Valparaíso and in Santiago. But actual reports of suspicious military movement didn't get to government leadership till about midnight. Finally, around 4 a.m., Allende was awoken and he was trying to figure out what was happening. So Allende arrived to his office in the Moneda Palace around 7.20 a.m. with some bodyguards and some carabineros and a rifle given to him by Fidel Castro during one of his past visits to Cuba. And then he headed straight to his office and then he called his wife, Tencha, and he told her that the Navy had rebelled and he didn't know if they would be able to withstand it. Just before 8 a.m., Allende addressed the country, letting Chilens know that some in the Navy were staging a mutiny and that Valparaíso had fallen. Can you imagine just listening to that in your home? That's so horrifying. Yes. No, I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know... Us in the U.S. Has, have had the fortune to not experience anything like this, except in what dystopian novels, in, in fantasy novels, right? Like, so meanwhile, many Chileans mobilized to defend, you know, Allende and the government. And most of them were workers. And then some of Allende's family, like his daughters, one of his daughters had arrived also to the Moneda Palace um, to help defend it. And mind you, she was six months pregnant. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. <gasps> so, and at this point, it, the Moneda Palace hadn't been attacked or anything yet. Okay. At 8.15 a.m., Allende once again addressed the nation, confirming to Chilens that there was an active rebellion, but that he had ordered loyal troops to the city to crush the coup. Unfortunately, he soon learned that there was no single unit in the military that remained loyal to Allende the law or the constitution or the country, you know, like, because oh this is not, it was not just Allende, right? It's, yeah. And you know what I also read is that, like, the military, prior to this, like, people believed that the military was really there as a bipartisan group. Well, and it, it was, right, before, well, not, 
until the U.S. started seating or not everyone, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So and that's what I talked a little bit about last um, episode and then earlier in this episode that, yeah, the the there was always, you know, the right wing that were the elite, the rich. Right. And so many yeah. of the leadership in the military, not a lot of them, but there were many right wing military leaders just like here usually they're like right wing right yeah and, but most of the military members were left wing because they were working class mm-hmm. and then on top of that they were like strict like you said like the guy they had to kill um they were yes. strict constitutionalists like they believed that they had no say they didn't care about the left or the right they cared about like the constitution says this that's what the country's about. That's what Chile's about. That is what we're defending. And so, like, the regular enlisted and then society believed, like, that's what their role was. Except the elite. Like, the elite just saw the military as a bunch of dumb people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, their generals and the leadership, then they're a different case. But, yeah. So, I, that's probably what shocked him to his core when he's like our troops will come defend us and then there's no troops to defend him because they've all turned like man um and yeah under the leadership of general schneider the tradition was for the military to remain apolitical but then under new leadership which was deliberate a deliberate Mm -hmm. you know um harassment and violent and murder against the constitutionalist leadership who were essentially ousted and replaced with pro-coup, who then influenced the actual, you know, military members. Yeah. (sighs) So, yeah, he found out that there was no military coming to help him. So Allende once again addressed the country. He let them know that the coup participants were demanding his resignation, but that he would not give in. And by 8.30 a.m., it became clear to Allende that Pinochet was part of the coup. He just had appointed him not that long ago, right? As like a general. Yeah. So the person that had quit, basically, the general who had quit, I think Pratt's, I said, was his yes, name. Yes, you did. Who yeah. had quit because he was being targeted and attacked and harassed. Oh, he appointed Pinochet. Yeah. Because he believed he was still good on, on the good side. That he was at least neutral, yeah. Yeah, okay, at least neutral. Okay, and, and but it turns out that he secretly was not, right? Yeah. And so this probably shocked uh, Allende. Yeah. Oh my God, so much betrayal. Yeah. So then Allende addressed the country again at 8.45 a.m., letting the country know that the situation was critical. He told the country, in this dark hour, I want to remind you of the words I said in 1971. I say them calmly with total tranquility. I do not have the marking of an apostle or a messiah. I don't have the makings of a martyr. I'm a social fighter fulfilling a task given to me by the people. But let those who want to rewind history and ignore the will of the majority of Chile know, without being a martyr, I will not take a single step backwards. Let them know it. Let them hear it. Let it be deeply engraved in them. I will... Leave the moneda when I have fulfilled the mandate that the Chilean people gave me. And this reminded me, um, I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, because again, there was so much to his life and his story. Mm -hmm. But this quote of his, these words of his reminded me 
that uh, or him saying that he's now no apostle or a messiah uh, reminded me um, in the same book that I read that once during his campaigning, a campesina or peasant woman had bowed down to him and kissed his feet and he picked her up right away and he's like no 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 no, don't do that like i'm not i'm not your superior i'm your equal oh my god i have chills right now yeah and he's like i am not a god to have my feet kissed like that's not who i am that's not the message i'm trying to send out and he was deeply disturbed um he later told a campaign member that he was disturbed by that because he's like i don't want people to view me as the superior being so yeah, it, it, those words reminded me of that. And here he is giving his last words and reminding the people again. <sighs> oh yeah. my God. <sighs> yeah, it gave me chills this chapter. Yeah. Wow. And then back to Ayanna's quote, he went on to say, oh, I just summarized here, I didn't do direct quotes. But anyway, he went on to say that he would defend the government, that they would only get rid of him by riddling his body with bullets. And so, and then he ended this message by calling out three traitors, not by name, but he's like, he tapped his, um, his fingers to his desk and he's like, uh, three traitors. Um, that's what he said before he cut. And then I think we can presume he's talking about, I think I mentioned two military leaders last episode and I don't recall their names right now, but he's talking about them. And then he was talking about Pinochet. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I've, I know the names when I can't, they're like not coming to me. I can't think of them. I want to say one of them like was Camilo something, but I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> yeah. So then at 9, 9 a.m., he addressed the nation again, letting them know he heard planes passing overhead. So basically preparing for an attack. Right. And then he condemned the military leaders. And then Allende organized the protection of the building with less than 60 military members who remain loyal to the Constitution and to him. My God. Yeah. Can you, I'm sorry, just to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you off, I mean, but like, can you, I just can't picture being those last people that are still doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they're like, yeah, the only ones. Because there's like, if you don't, Obviously, everyone has the right to disagree with a government, but you don't have the right to oust an officially elected yeah. a, a person without a reason. Because because obviously there's people that can be impeached because they violated some sort of law, mm-hmm. but Allende did not. No, And sure, no. there was things that had gone wrong, but also not his fault. A lot of it was the fault of the U.S. who did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think later they tried to claim they had no direct hand in this coup. Mm-hmm. But the money, amount of money that they pumped into creating the opinions that, that then persuaded people to so easily betray their country and their government. Oh, come on. How did they? And they also. And they met. They met with coup officials. <laughs> I mean, on top yeah. of all that, you know, that's obvious. Yeah. And with the, the right wing elite um, of Chile. And they put people, those people in contact with each other. <laughs> like, And they gave them money. That's pretty direct. <laughs> just because just because Kissinger himself was not on the ground making a plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean there was no direct U.S. involvement. Right, right. I forgot why I said that. But yeah, it's just crazy. It's it's wild to me. It's yeah to be those last 60 people that are still standing up for the right thing. That's and yeah. I'm I'm assuming that those that were not killed on the spot were then captured and taken to some sort of camp. Yes, they were. <sighs> yeah. 
Um, and then there was also uh, other party members, not only from the UP, but also um, other party members. Oh, did you say, did you already say that Allende, like, tried to burn or get rid of a list of, like, people that worked for him or supporters or party members? Mm, no, I didn't say that. I actually didn't read that. Oh, um, yeah, I... <laughs> well, I actually, I did. I saw that him and his um, supporters were, like, destroying, like, evidence and stuff. Yeah. And not because they're guilty, but because they needed to hide these names because they knew that they would be rounded up and collected, targeted and rounded up. Yeah. Because yeah. Agnes and this had already happened back when they outlawed communism. Mm hmm. They had camps for communists, yeah. members, which I did not know this. And they were akin to not death camps yet because that's what Pinochet would go on to do. But they were like yeah. concentration camps for sure where the people were abused. So, yeah, he knew that that's where it was going to happen again. There was no doubt. Mm -hmm, so they were trying mm -hmm. to get rid of this evidence. Yeah. During the coup. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was also other um, government like party members from different groups that were collaborators and supporters of Allende's party and also of democracy <laughs> <laughs> that were um, because it was the the Moneda Palace and then there was like other government buildings around it. Right. So they were like trying they were defending like further away and I just don't remember exactly where. OK. Um, so they had positioned them, themselves like at the perimeter, I think is what yeah. I read. That yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was those people in the perimeter defending it and then less than 60, 60 military members Man. helping defend along with some other party members in the Moneda Palace. God. And just to do that, that's like insane, real like bravery. Like the people who did yeah. this coup, they're not the brave ones here. No. Oh, man. Yeah. So then the coup participants demanded Allende go to the Ministry of Defense to surrender, but Allende refused, saying the president of Chile does not surrender and he receives people at the Moneda Palace. So Pinochet should go to the Moneda Palace himself to personally come get him. And then at 9.15 a.m., Allende made a final statement via Magallanes radio and this was a communist party radio station mm -hmm. with the last one that was standing at this point already because um others had been already like bombed attacked you know what i mean mm -hmm. so he made this final statement before ending his life and many think he did that to avoid the humiliation of being arrested by the military probably the torture he was going to endure yeah I, I, don't, I don't know I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's humiliation because everything I read about him, I don't think he would be humiliated, but I think he, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that would be. And there's actually um, speculation that he was actually killed in the, like, by whoever stormed the palace and that he actually didn't kill himself. Although evidence does point to him having shot himself. I think that he did because, yeah, there was a lot of uh, his supporters still around him like right before like in the room surrounding him right before he did it and they all were alive so yeah mm -hmm. yeah because that and then i know i know that after this happened then they were like parading around oh look the your your beloved president like is a coward that killed himself mm -hmm. instead of facing us but it's like i mean what was the other choice face you guys but be brutally tortured and killed like i don't know i don't know 
Yeah, and there and there was no point of facing them, right? Because like you said, he was going to be arrested and tortured. There was no way they were going to win. He was losing. Yeah. yeah. Like everything was yeah. falling. There was only 60 members mm-hmm. defending him. But they were, it's like, yeah, there was no chance. So I don't know. I don't see it. I don't view it. And I mean, obviously, I don't see I'm it like, as cowardice. Me neither. Um, yeah, me yeah, neither. No. So this was his final statement. My words, oh no, sorry. And I saw different versions because the first I saw a version from the one of my sources. And you'll if you look through the sources, it'll it says it's his final statement. And then the book had very similar but a few different words. And okay. so so there's probably like due to translations, like different translations and whatever words that mean the same thing essentially, but yeah. just a little bit different. So anyway, here goes uh in this final statement. My words do not have bitterness but disappointment. May there be a moral punishment for those who have betrayed the oaths they took, the soldiers of Chile, the titular commanders-in-chief, Admiral Merino, who has designated himself commander of the Navy, and Mr. Mendoza, the despicable general who only yesterday pledged his fidelity and loyalty to the government. Yesterday, and who wow. has, Yeah, and who has also appointed himself director general of the Carabineros. Given these facts, the only thing left for me is to say to workers, I'm not going to resign. Place in a historic moment, I will repay the royalty of the people with my life. And and to, like there, he said it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, going on. And I say to that, I am certain that the seeds which we have planted in the good conscience of thousands and thousands of Chileans will not be shriveled forever. They have force and will be able to dominate us. But social processes can't be arrested by neither crime nor force. History is ours and people make history. Oh, my God. Not to say it again, but. Well, it's you're just going to keep wow. <laughs> getting chills. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. It's just like what a dark day to just for everyone. But obviously, because, you know, he lost his life and all the people that died defending him. I mean, like this is the day people. Yeah. Lost their rights as people right like yeah they were no longer and this is why we harp and harp and harp on bukele because <laughs> yeah the people of el salvador no longer have democracy they haven't the whole time bukele has been they think they do but like <sighs> so then the quote goes on workers of my fatherland i want to thank you for the loyalty that you have always shown the confidence that you deposited in a man who was only an interpreter of great yearnings for justice, who gave his word that he would respect the Constitution and the law and did just that. At this definitive moment, the last moment when I can address you, I wish you to take advantage of the lesson. Foreign capital, imperialism, together with the reaction, created the climate in which the armed forces broke their tradition the tradition taught to them by General Schneider and reaffirmed by Commander Araya, victims of the same social sector who today are hoping with foreign assistance to reconquer the power to continue defending their profits and their privileges. I address you above all, the modest woman of our land, the campesina who believed in us, the worker who worked harder, the mother who understood our concern for the children. I address professionals of the fatherland, patriotic professionals who continued working against the sedition that was supported by professional associations, classist associations that also defended the advantages of capitalist society. 
I address the youth, those who sang and gave us their joy and their spirit of struggle. I address the man of Chile, the worker, the farmer, the intellectual, those who will be persecuted because in our country, fascism has been already present for many hours in terrorist attacks, blowing up the bridges, cutting the railroad tracks, destroying the oil and the gas pipelines. In the face of the silence of those who had the obligation to act, they were committed. History will judge them. Surely Radio Magallanes will be silenced and the calm tone of my voice will no longer reach you. It does not matter. You will continue to hear me. Ah, I have chills. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it goes on. I will always be with you. At least the memory of me will be that of a man of dignity who is loyal to his country. Wow. The people must defend themselves, but they must not sacrifice themselves. The people must not let themselves be destroyed or riddled with bullets, but they cannot be humiliated either. Workers of my country, I have faith in Chile and its destiny. Other men will overcome this dark and bitter moment when treason seeks to prevail. Go forward knowing that sooner rather than later, the great avenues will open again and free men will walk through them to construct a better society. Long live Chile. Long live the people. Long live the workers, which was a slogan campaign of his also. These are my last words, and I'm certain that my sacrifice will not be in vain. I'm certain that at the very least, it will be a moral lesson that will punish felony, cowardice, and treason. And that was the end of his speech. Wow. But then he said it again, my sacrifice. Yeah. I think would point to that he did do it before they did it, basically. Yeah, because he knew he was going to be killed no matter what. So he's like... And of course, I mean, no one wants to glorify, you know, yeah, dying by suicide. But this is a different situation that is obviously not typical. But I think at this point, he he said, they're not going to kill me like I have that power. He's going to choose his own. So that's kind of how I see it. After delivering his final words, Allende released anyone in the military and the state service telling them that they We'll have to bomb the palace to get him out of there, but that they're free to go. Oh, my gosh. Only three civilian detectives stayed with Allende, and he convinced his daughters to leave the palace. Oh, my God. Yeah, at this point, both of them were there. And again, reminder, one of them was six months I'm pregnant. I'm going to cry. I'm just, I can't, yeah. Oh, you know what? I didn't write this down, but I remember from reading it. I think earlier, oh, yeah, he spoke to Tencha, his wife. I just love that. Is that a nickname or is it her name? I don't remember, but everywhere I saw said Tencha. It sounds like it could be a nickname for something, but I just, I love it. I want to say it is a nickname. But so he spoke to her earlier that day, letting her know what was going on, right? But among those who stayed in the palace was his, one of his side pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and so he didn't stop. Yeah. I remember he said he was a mujeriego. He and did. Yes, he was to his last dying day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> His uh, secretary, uh, I didn't even write down her name because I wasn't going to mention this, but it just, you know, <laughs> it came out of me right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, she stayed with him. I forgot her name. <laughs> well, at least Tencha lived because she needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so did his uh, side piece. Okay. So anyway, she stayed with him. <laughs> she was one of those that stayed. Latino man till the end of his days. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. She's not. <laughs> and we're not. <laughs> we know how y'all are. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Some. <laughs> some, yeah. After that, the bombing 
courtesy of U.S. Air Force Hawker Hunter Jets, began. Oh, wow. U.S.? Wow. How weird how they say they weren't involved. And yet... (laughs) Interesting. Their jets were involved. The first missiles hit the front of the Moneda Palace. Then the roof was hit, caved in. Fire started to spread. Tanks then started trying to force open the main palace doors while Allende and one of his remaining bodyguards were firing RPGs at them. Wow. The bombing and the fighting continued. And so the house where he lived with his wife was within these grounds, right? And there was other like party members in the palace. And so while all of this bombing and fighting was happening, Dencha and other party members managed to escape. Oh, good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Meanwhile, all of this was happening. Meanwhile, the Moneda Palace was being attacked. Wealthy Chileans were celebrating. Oh, I hate this. By hanging Chilean flags. I hate this. And I'm like, the audacity. You're supporting treason. <laughs> like, how dare you fly this flag? Yeah. After what they've done, get a new flag. I don't think anyone could have predicted. Like, the people... And I don't want to, like, minimize the what they did. But I think I don't think people could have predicted what was to come. Like, they only wanted Allende out. I don't think they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's so common, right? Because yeah. you, you trade something for something yeah. you think is going to be better. Like, oh, we're not making money right now. And let's bring this back to Bukele now. <laughs> Because that's exactly what I was going to do. You know it. Um, But yeah. Oh, we're losing money. The country's gone to shit. Food lines are so long and this is happening because of socialism. Yeah. And so because we want to make more money, this new these new people, they're going to make it better. But in Mm -hmm. reality, no one, no one could have thought like what really was going to happen. The horrible, like the horrors that were going to come with this regime. Yeah. Um, so soon one of Allende's close friends and the head of the national TV, who was one of the defenders of the palace, Augusto, nicknamed Perro Olivares, soon he died by suicide. And this really lowered the morale of the defenders. And so it was at that point or shortly after that Allende and the defenders were starting to realize that this was a losing battle. And Allende called them together to surrender. As Allende and his supporters were discussing surrender, the coup members had made their way into the palace by kicking in the side door, which had its own nickname. I don't know. The Morande Ochenta. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder. Yeah. So finally, Allende ordered all of his defenders to leave. I think they were all in his office at this point. He ordered all of them to leave, to surrender, to leave all of their weapons upstairs. And he told them to leave with dignity and to surrender because this is a massacre. So Allende told them he would be the last one to leave. But as the defenders all got in a line to walk out of the office, he closed the door behind behind them, shouting, Allende doesn't surrender, damn it. Oh, my God. So other party members managed to open the door and surround him. But they were unable to prevent anything in mind. Of course, the scene was chaotic besides this happening right like mm-hmm. there was smoke uh, debris everywhere and so they could even hardly see what was going on that being said they were unable to prevent anything and soon they heard a shot again they had shot himself 
One of the defenders, Enrique Huerta, shouted, the president has died. Viva Allende, don't surrender, comrades. Oh, why do I feel like crying again? Oh, my God. Because this is so scary. I just (laughs) am sad. Yeah. And so I got chills when I read the next sentence in the book. It's what I want to end this episode with on top of the rest of the talking we're going to do now. (laughs) But uh, just, I mean, like my notes, I wanted to end. Yeah. So the author who's listed in the sources, because I can't remember his name right now. He says they speaking about the defenders, right? Who supporters who who saw Allende. The last defenders of Chile. Yes. Yeah. So he says they did not know that torture and disappearance lay ahead of them. <sighs> I like I I yeah, I just got again chills again because yeah, yeah, it's like we were saying even the people that were celebrating this, they had no idea what was really coming. Yeah. The the repression that was going to follow the torture, the the horrific horrific human rights violations that were going that are going to come with the with the regime with the Pinochet yeah. regime. Even yeah. if, even the participants of the coup themselves, they had no idea what monster they just created, supported, propped up. Propped yeah. up because obviously, I mean, and we're gonna get into it once we get into the episode on him and like the for the regime that followed, but when the coup happened, it was an agreement that the three military branches would rule as a military military junta. A junta. Mm-hmm. But then it was all Pinochet by the end. Yeah. Like the other two were like, no. And and nobody predicted that, right, either. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's terrible. And just hearing that these, these what happened in the palace, the last words. Oh, my God. Just all so emotional. And ugh. yeah, it, it's uh, horrible to uh, to read this <laughs> and to know the terrors everyone was facing and a lot of what i read was like saying over and over again how calm i was during all of it and i'm like you have to be calm to be able to say all of these words and he was known to be a powerful um like his words and his speeches yeah which is just only exemplified by his final speech by his many final like yeah you know messages final words yeah I lost my train of thought there, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's just, it was a lot. It was a lot to, to read through. Very emotional, very powerful. Also like this, this was obviously a, a sad, tragic, what is the word I'm thinking of? It not as tra- sad, tragic as a, as in an event that, you know, could not have been prevented. It was a <laughs> instigated, yeah. uh, you know, by the United States. And it just goes to show the the harm and the violence that the United States has caused in Latin America mm-hmm. and you know they killed someone who was elected by the people and sure it wasn't everybody because that's how typically how an election. elections in Chile went but typically how dem- democratic elections go yeah he rightfully lawfully yeah won that presidency yeah and they did everything in their power to oust him I mean in the in the end how much did they spend on this to to let me see my it was like in the millions for sure it was like 20 million so they had already put in a lot of money to prevent communism and socialism from coming to power over the years Mm -hmm. but when he um became was elected president they pledged like 10 million Mm. 
okay. to to prevent it from happening or to end it. I mean, yeah. not prevent it. But at that point, again, they had already put in a lot of money before that. So yeah. at least 10 million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like that's an insane amount of money. Instead of putting that into, you know, money to go back into the, the United States because we also need it. Well, as Tupac says, <laughs> said, I mean. Oh, there's money for wars, but no money for education. Can't feed the poor. Yeah. Can't feed the poor. Yeah. And yeah, so there's money <sighs> to uh, overthrow governments and to conduct regime change, but not to help the people mm-hmm. of the United States. Yeah. Also something happening still, as we know today, as we with yeah. the funding of Israel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah, sad. Sad to think, like, what Chile could have been if if the U.S. had never meddled, if they had not done that blockade. Yeah. Yeah. We can't say that uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands wouldn't have lost their lives, wouldn't have been disappeared. Oh, my God. Yeah. I also have, I have, I can't find the amount of people that were killed during the coup. I think they, the numbers are unknown. Me either. They are they are unknown because it was not only the defenders in the palace and surrounding the palace, but also some workers like in the city and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know how many. Right. Exactly. I wonder. Yeah, I guess it's, it's one of the things that we'll never know. But it's just it's I mean, knowing the amount of people that went on to were targeted during the regime, were killed during the regime, disappeared like you can only, you know guess that a considerable amount of chileans died on the day of the coup or the other mm-hmm. 9-11 as we know it yeah the only 9-11 i recognize no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <I'm cutting> that. <laughs> <laughs> the other 9-11 that deserves as much recognition as 9-11 yeah i would say so especially because of the participation of the united states yeah well thank you carmen for bringing that I am currently reading Fear in Chile, um, Life Under Pinochet, as for the next episode. So I'm almost mm-hmm. about halfway. I'll be ready, though, when it's time to talk about Pinochet, at least the first half of him in the coup. And then, yeah, I'm not ready for the rage. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone that listened to this. Uh, thank you, Carmen, for all the reading and research you did for this. I don't think I've done this much. We haven't done a deep dive like this in a while. So I think the last time was the first episode, the Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> because I have not read a book for me personally. I have not read a book for this. That's uh, right. Podcast. I have. You have. Yeah. But I have not. Yeah. I like to just do research articles. Yeah. Or like, you know, articles and stuff. But yeah. Oh, I did read the very short uh, biography of Azucena Villaflora. I just remember that. That's true. Uh, yeah. But that was, that was, yeah. And this actually was also short, but it was like very heavy. Um, heavy reading. Yeah. It, yeah. Because it talked about politics, you know, besides like the, the violence and whatever and whatnot. Yeah. It was like very heavy on that. So it wasn't as enjoyable as like the typical book, but <laughs> I, it was yeah. still good. Like I would, I would recommend, especially the end, like the, oh, yeah. The last chapter on the coup. Well, it's not the last one. It does talk briefly about what happened after the coup, very briefly. And also it goes into like criticisms of Allende that people had in the in the book that I just, you know. But we talked a little bit before about it. Like people said yeah. he was a reformist. 
I also saw some criticism by the military that he wasn't a military man, but he served in the military. He just wasn't a general. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so I don't know what that, what was up with that. Um, and, and others also said he, because he was afraid to respond to the, his opposition with violence because in his experience that led to repression. Right. And to but civil then war. It got worse, I guess. He let he other people say he let it get out of control, basically, that if he had responded with force, that it wouldn't have happened. But I don't know with the amount of money being pumped into the opposition. I think no matter what, because of. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the U.S. And even he said it in his speeches, outside forces. Yeah. You know, the U.S. Yeah. Capitalism, imperialism. Yeah. The U.S. No. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there. I don't think there would have been anything he could have done to yeah. even prevent the bloodbath and the attack of the day on that on September 11th. Like, I don't I don't yeah. think U.S. fighter jets. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's just so terrible. But it's like you said, his memory was not forgotten. And here we are talking about him today. So, Yeah. And oh, and again, like, obviously, I always said thank you to Carmen. Thank you to you, Carmen, for like researching all this because it's a lot. But you know what? I'm sorry. I was going to cut you off real quick. Oh, I just on. That's why I kind of love this podcast, even though it's a lot of work. Like, I I don't know if I would have reached for this book myself, even though I do like reading. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Topics about topics like this. But I don't know if I would have taken the time out of this podcast to learn about yeah. Salvador Allende. But wow, am I amazed? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I 100% agree because I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and it's been the same experience over and over again about our topics. Like. Yeah. Every <laughs> every new episode, I'm just like, wow. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And like, seriously, thank you to the people that sent us messages. Reply on Spotify about what you thought about this episode. Um, rate and review. Good rate and reviews, obviously. <laughs> Those are like so appreciated because... Uh, yeah, a lot of work. I think the most work that we do on any of our podcasts is this one. It's this one. Yeah. And so and yeah, every like message that we get or review that we get, that's like this podcast is so underrated. Any positive reinforcement. I we love it. We love it. It keeps us going. <laughs> any validation. <laughs> <laughs> we are Leos. We also have ADHD. <laughs> so that combination, we love validation. We love five stars. Like, <laughs> If you tell us that we've changed your life, we're already planning the next 50 episodes <laughs> <laughs> but you know what more than that i love that people are listening because it means they're learning about this <laughs> yeah and most importantly of course besides the validation <laughs> and the support that i that love we feel <laughs> and we love yeah that's the most important thing that i love when someone sent message and said like this has like changed my life like i did not know about the history i'm learning more about sometimes their people. own history their own yes. yeah um yeah. i've been radicalized like i'm learning so much like here for it yeah yeah we are here for it so yeah seriously thank you so much um honestly i don't know that people know how much that that all that means to us like <laughs> yeah for real for real <laughs> so yeah we hope that this was one less historia known for everyone mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thanks again everyone bye bye